everybody, to another episode of Space Flicks Pandemic Edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Onward, the latest film from Pixar Studios. A Disney, and a Disney company. <laughs> a Disney company, that's right. And this, this film came out in theaters basically right before the whole country went on lockdown. Uh, the whole world, I should say, pretty much. But, yep. So I don't know if there's any countries with open theaters at this point, maybe somewhere that, um, that you know, had, had the, the virus spreading sooner than it was in the U.S. and then started opening up already. I don't actually know. But in the U.S., um, it was probably, what, a week into its theatrical run, maybe two weeks in. Yep. And then theaters across the country started shutting down. And so then it became available for purchase on um, like iTunes and Google Play and places like that uh, a few weeks back. And I actually purchased it because my kids quite loved it. And then Adam informed me in our last episode that it was available on Disney Plus, And I was like, gah, but well, it's fine. Yeah, but for I those still fo- enjoy. Yes, and but that's just you say that just because you happen to subscribe to Disney Plus, right? Like if you didn't. Well, the the other thing is, since I did purchase it, I can um, download it on like an iPad, and the kids could watch it offline. Right. So there's benefits to to buying it. Anyway, um, do you have the synopsis in front of you? I do. Yeah. All right. You want to read it? Uh, Set in a suburban fantasy world. Two teenage elf brothers, Ian and Barley Lightfoot, go on a journey to discover if there is still a little magic left out there in order to spend one last day with their father, who died when they were too young to remember him. There All you right. go. Yeah, so uh, did, did the trailers for this movie... Um, or at least the first trailer. Do you remember? Did it even mention that they had a father? Like that their father died? The the teaser trailer when this movie when uh-huh. first got announced did not. It Which was, I think is maybe the only one I saw. It was just the two of them getting in a van and going on a quest, right? Um, yeah. And but then the proper trailer of the movie dropped, and yes, they did the whole like dad is just pants thing. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, because. I don't know that I even saw a trailer involving the pants. I think I just saw which which you're calling the teaser where it was like uh you know this world it used to be elves and and unicorns and magic and now it's just like a modern day, you know, these you got these mystical creatures like collecting tolls at the toll booth and delivering newspapers and stuff. Right. And, and then, yeah. And then the brother shows up and he's like, we're going on a quest. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I really had no idea what the movie was about. Um, other than that, just very broad premise. And I gotta say, it didn't look that interesting to me. It looked like it was going to be, the closest I can compare it to is like the cars trailer, you know, Pixar. Okay. Um, I almost I almost always love what they do. And so 
if a trailer doesn't grab me, then I just figure, oh, it's probably still going to be pretty good. But like the Cars trailer, I remember being the only Pixar trailer I'd seen where I was like, that just doesn't even look good. Right. Um, but then sure enough, you know, I saw the movie Cars and I was like, no, that was Cars is a very sweet Um, movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was an enjoyable movie. I think the trailer for Cars, not to get too derailed here at the outset, but I think it it really emphasized Mater, the character of Mater, uh-huh. as yeah. like the comic relief. Yeah, and I think I was, I think they just like hearing him deliver some of his lines. I was just like, oh, they've really lost it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, going with the what Larry the Cable Guy. Right. Um, when Dagum but, is a setup for a joke and a punchline by itself. Right. It's really, right. That's not uh, a joke. So, um, you know, I think Pixar has released so many films at this point that uh, that I would be I would be foolish to not expect uh, something high quality. Yeah. But but the trailer, the teaser for Onward that I saw definitely did not grab me. It just it looked like it was going to be kind of a mediocre for for Pixar, which is still going to be good by most studio standards. But, you know, a pretty middling Pixar film. Yep, that was my that was my expectation going in. Uh, what about you? Um, yeah, based on the, the trailer uh, quite grabbed me, uh, especially the full trailer. I agree that the teaser was sort of like. We're going on a quest, and I was like, "That's not quite enough for me." Um, mm. But when I saw like the whole, uh, "We've got a magical pair of pants that is walking along <laughs> with us," I was like, "This is pretty weird," and I like it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I real, I'm, I'm sort of realizing that Pixar has the unfortunate um, obligation of being compared to itself, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like. Yeah. When we say middling Pixar, like that is just an increasingly large body of films. Yeah, that means that means like B plus A minus basically territory. Right. Which is like it's a little unfair. Which is like the the best some studios will ever do. Right, because um, a because a bad like relatively uninspired Pixar movie is probably still really good, right? Um, well, disclaimer, I haven't seen Cars 2 or 3. I've heard Cars 2 is pretty bad. Cars 2 is a flaming pile of crap. And okay. So, I, so. And I actually liked Cars 3. So, like, okay. uh, I feel like I'm not, that's not a universal opinion. But, um, but yeah, sure, certainly there are Pixar movies that are, like, be, that are, like, not good, right? But mm-hmm. I think that most of them are pretty to really good. And some are, of course, like, excellent. And I feel like the yeah. ver- the very the creme de la creme, right? Like, I, and I don't know what necessarily you would put at the top of that list. I feel like a lot of people would put uh, Toy Story three there. A lot of people would put, probably put Inside Out. Inside there. Out goes up there. I think, um, you know, like uh, even the first ten minutes of Up probably gets a special placement there, <laughs> right? Um, and and those are sort of like the most excellent Pixar movies there are. And then we sort of treat the rest as like, eh, it's just in the middle somewhere. But like the middle is still really good, right? Yeah. Um, and so I was expecting this movie to fit in the middle, right? Uh, which is to say I expected to quite like it and not be sort of like, um, you know, dr- driven to ecstasy. <laughs> like, yeah. as I am with some of their other films. Uh, and so that was my expectation, going in was like it'll, and, it'll be good and is that 
Is that where it ended up for you? I really liked it a lot more than I expected to. In fact, like I bo- yeah. it bordered on love, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And it, I was just, I, I was really taken by um, so many things about it, which we can talk about when we get to the best parts of the movie. But I, I just felt like it, it just really worked for me on like every level. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I was really delighted by it and was uh, like, as soon as I finished, I was like, I would watch that again. I would watch that again right now. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I already revealed that I purchased the movie pretty much as soon as I realized it was available um, because I think I felt the same way. I actually, I mean, for it sounds like it was a, it was a surprise for you. I think it was an even bigger surprise for me, given, like I was saying, my expectations were pretty low. It didn't really seem that interesting to me going in, but I also loved it. I think, uh, I think it's, it's definitely up there with my favorite Pixar movies. Yeah. Um, you know, if I, if I think about, you know, how every movie you bring, you bring your own personal experience to it. I mean, this is a movie about two brothers and, so is like being a brother def- part of what made the movie hit me so hard? Like almost certainly, yeah. you know, like if I was, I don't know, a girl who just had sisters, <laughs> I suspect the movie would hit me in a totally different way. That's obviously, that's obviously completely unprovable speculation, but no, I feel like the brother relationship and, and their, you know, relationship or lack thereof with their departed father um, those were incredibly effective for me. You said it, um, it works for you on so many levels. I actually, I think for me, there are probably other levels that the movie doesn't work that well on. Um, I should just say like it was, there are ways in which it was kind of middling Pixar for me, but I think the core story of the brothers and the dad, uh, was, was like top notch Pixar. Like the, yeah. it's, you know, that, that thing that Pixar can somehow uniquely do that other, other animation studios, I think try to do where they sort of try to put in a message that's going to kind of tug at the heartstrings of adults and like resonate on a deeper level. Yeah. But I feel like Pixar knows how to, how to just really do that. You right. know, um, some, something where like you're an adult and you're watching it with your kids or whatever, or in a theater full of families and you're just like, one day you'll understand what this movie's really saying, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, So yeah, I loved it too. Um, And, and I did want to watch it right away again. And I did (laughs) basically. Yeah. Like I think, I think, I think I took my kids to see it and then it was probably two weeks later, maybe um, that we watched it again at home. Yeah. uh, On the TV. So, yeah, great. Uh, we both we both had sort of mild expectations, and then turned out to love it. Um, let's talk about the theme of the movie, and I actually want to start uh, start this section with sort of an unusual question to you, which yeah. is flirting with getting into spoilers. So we can bail on this if if you feel like you can't talk about it without spoiling the movie. But one thing that's a little odd to me is the title. Um, uh-huh. I, I just thinking of themes, I feel like the word onward doesn't feel to me like it's what the movie is about. What do you think? 
that's a good point. Uh, I hadn't actually thought about that question terribly much, but um, like it's a very reflective. Mo- it's a very like it's a very backward back. looking movie. That's yeah. totally right. Yeah, yeah, uh, and maybe that's a misdirect, right? Maybe that's maybe. Um, like, like if you compare it to like a movie like Meet the Robinsons, do you, do you, did you ever see that movie? I have seen Meet the Robinsons. It's yes. just about it's about it's about um, this kid who learns. You know, he's like a, in a family of like inventors, uh, particularly like his dad, I think, or his grandpa. I can't remember, but but basically, the family's whole motto is like. Uh, or not motto, but their whole philosophy is like, make mistakes, learn from your sta- mistakes, look to the future, you know, keep improving. Right. Like, I feel like Onward would be an appropriate title for that movie. Right. But for this movie, it's 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 really not about that, I, f- I feel. Maybe I'm missing something. Right. Or maybe, like you said, it's a misdirect, which would be a new one for Pixar, I feel. Right. Um yeah, I'm I'm like looking at their whole filmography right now and uh a lot of their movies not all, but a lot are sort of named expressly for who the movie is about, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like Toy Story, Incredibles, you know, Coco is actually a very artful title that's not really about the main character. Yeah. Uh and Coco yeah, might true. be one of the most you know, um, sublime movies they have. Um, yeah, finding, I agree, finding actually. Dory, finding Nemo, monsters, Inc cars up, up is a little bit, uh, more, more in the vein of like an onward or a Coco. Like it's a yeah. little bit more, um, but at least up, I mean, it's like balloons, carrying right. balloons go up, up, you know, Wally <laughs> Ratatouille, uh, finding Nemo toy story. Like all these movies are typically like, you know, proper name or like noun. And it's like, that's what this movie's about. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, but then you've got movies like up and inside out and Coco and onward that are more, uh, that are, and I don't feel like, I feel like onward is probably, I think they're getting more subtle. Like, like, well, the next one's called soul. Yeah, that's right. right. Have you seen the trailer for that? Yes, I have. It looks good. I'm excited for it. Yeah. It's it's funny because you'd think I'm sure there's a lot of people who would list some of Pixar's early films as the best, you know, the classics, right? Um, like Toy Story, Bugs Life, Monsters Inc. They are, I mean, Cars. You know, they are kind of all classics. But I actually think, you know, I mentioned Inside Out would probably be towards the top for me. I think Coco would be too, and yeah. Onward would be now. For me, it's like all their recent stuff is their best stuff, yeah. and I think it's. I think it's probably because they're going, they're going a little more subtle, like they're exploring more complex ideas, you know? Yeah. Um, which, you know, they're still clearly targeting the same age range. So I almost feel like it's a little risky for them to be doing that. Right. But, um, I guess they're managing to make them, you know, kid friendly still. Well, what's sort of friendly enough. What's sort of amazing about Pixar is like, you know, Pixar has been making movies now since, uh, feature length film since 1995, right? So they've been making movies mm-hmm. for 25 years. And it's a long time. I mean, honestly, like they could decide tomorrow, like they could announce, they'd be like, our movies are now for adults, right? Right. Like we are not targeting movies at children anymore. These are going to be adult movies with adult themes, right? Same, right. same, our same commitment to quality, obviously, but like, we are expressly do not bring your like you do 
like don't convince yourself that these movies are just for kids because we are purposely trying to make movies that are for adults like and i don't know that they would like be unsuccessful right they probably wouldn't make as many hundreds of millions of dollars as they do now but they could still run like a successful yeah. movie studio just making movies for adults because of people like you and me who would sign up and go to those <laughs> movies like regardless well yeah i mean unless they were making like rated r movies that you know had ob- objectionable content in them i think people would still take their kids even if they said these are for adults right you know if they were like pg yeah um because i mean i guess what i'm saying is i feel like that's kind of what they're doing you know just right. a little more a little more uh uh subtly but um definitely coco inside out onward they feel they feel like they're meant for kids to enjoy them, yeah. but it's almost like they're not for kids, right. if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I feel like there's so much in these movies that like they're sort of asking children to sort of overlook or forgive like the complexities that they're not going to understand and the way that... Yeah, it's just, it's just there's sprinkles and stuff on it so that kids still like it. But right. It's, yeah. The the message of the movie, like the message of the movie Inside Out, I don't think a little kid really understands what's happening in that movie. Totally. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and it's like I feel like I think a lot of it's a pretty common um I think characterization to say that Pixar, you know, Trojan horses adult like rich themes into children's movies. And I feel yeah. like the ratio is slowly inverting where it's like, these are just plainly like adult films, but like a child's movies like Trojan horse in there so that children can like, uh, enjoy it. Like, but the parents yeah. are going to get more at way more out of it than the kids are. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it's funny cause I wonder that, but I was actually kind of relieved that, um, Violet and William really loved Onward yeah. and they actually got really excited to see it again. So I was like, okay, all right, good. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, they still got, they, they haven't gone so far in that direction that kids are like, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. I worry about that with a movie like soul <laughs> where it's like the fundamental yeah, premise they, is like this dude is dead. They might go too far. I mean, you know, five years from now, there might be like this new Pixar release that kind of that kind of like uh, lands with a thud and then in a retrospective, you know, yeah. people will write about it and be like, it was a great movie, but they just, they forgot that, that kids are supposed to like, it. right. You know? Yeah. I um, feel like the, Disney I mean, if you look at the beginning of Wally, right. The uh-huh. first, what, 20 minutes of Wally or something, 10, 20 minutes. Like that's probably not that interesting for a kid to watch a robot like a little cleaning kid. garbage. Yeah. <laughs> For an adult, it's like mesmerizing. Right. Because you're, cause you're just, you're seeing, it's, it's like world building, right? You're like seeing this, this vision of the future that is bleak and worrisome. And you're kind of wondering what's, where it's going to go from there. But to a kid, like a little kid, I would imagine it's like, oh, cool, a robot. But then it's just like scooting around, compacting trash. Right. You know, the kid's just like, is something fun going to happen? Or yeah. Well, it's like, we here. We talked about this with the, the Irishman, how it's like the, the length is kind of like part of the point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like in Wally, sort of the drudgery of his existence is kind of part of the point 
in the beginning, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, it's definitely just, got a point. And just to like ask a child to go along with that, it's like, yeah, you get it, right? Sort of like the Sisyphean task of cleaning up a city of trash, <laughs> right? And children right. are like, there's no other characters or talking or songs or anything here. Yeah. And the adult. Or the beginning. The, and the adults like the beginning yeah, of that's up too. There's nothing else. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about the theme of onward. Cause that's what, cause so you kind of agree with me that it's a, at least let's say a curious title. Um, yeah. But, uh, but I feel like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling to succinctly capture what the theme of the movie is. Do you feel like you want to take a stab at it? Well, I mean, I'm sort of going to end up, I, I find myself just trying to like recount the the plot of the film it has it has something to do with um man i'm really struggling even though like it seems i i feel like unlike (laughs) i feel like with some of our other movies i had like a word that was like very clearly like that's it that that really is what this movie means to me and um and i'm really struggling because it this movie is about two young men trying to reconnect with their father in an attempt to kind of uh, as a corrective or as a uh, a way to sort of make up for lost time or, and sort of implicitly like they didn't get the the guidance that they wanted right and i don't yeah. know how you can like i don't know how to succinctly encapsulate that into like a single theme well i think one uh, I, I certainly don't have a word either, but I think one theme, maybe in addition to that one, is the the idea of um, there being something there being something special in you that you need to accept. You know, mm-hmm. um, like because this world used to have magic, and there were people that used to practice magic. Um, but in the timeline when the movie takes place, basically nobody does it anymore. There might be some people who sort of dabble in it, but, um, but then, you know, pretty early in the movie, it becomes clear that the younger brother has a gift for magic. Yep. And, and I think part, a, a big part of the movie is him like embracing that gift that he has and, and learning to nurture it and um, sort of ch- and grow, right? Grow it. Um, so I feel like that's that's one theme, you know, like the the idea that firstly there are some gifts that you might have that that make you special and that not everybody has, and and they might and they might be strange, you know, they mm-hmm. might be considered. Um, they might be considered kind of, uh, odd, but you, um, but they, they're nothing to be embarrassed about or, you know, to try to be, they're not something you want to hide so that you can be normal. There's something that can actually make you very special. Yeah. Um, as far as, and then I think the other theme for me, uh, that I think you're talking about with the brothers and their father. Um, I mean, 
I would just I would just say it's like brotherly love, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a yeah, there's a huge. I mean, there's um, I think that the movie really uh, artfully lands in that place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know yeah, that the movie. Uh, I, I and I think the movie does a good job, kind of hiding the football on that one, and yeah. um, you don't quite realize that that's what the movie is about until later, right? Um, because yeah. I think it's so there's a, it's an interesting MacGuffin actually. The father is like an interesting MacGuffin in this movie, yeah. right? Because um, he's sort of the entire point of what they're doing. Uh, right. But you don't realize that there's actually another relationship that is the touchstone relationship that's really going to carry the film much more, more yeah. so than that one. Um, yeah. And I suppose one final theme that I observed that I quite liked was the idea of um, there is the thing that maybe is most popular or most obvious and the thing that is uh, actually true or actually the best often mm-hmm. being different right. things. And you have to be very sort of, um, uh, committed or, uh, assured in your, in your choices to, you know, to, to prevent yourself from being swayed by whatever is, you know, seemingly more popular or seemingly more obvious to do. Um, yeah. And uh, I felt like the movie did a really good job of of sort of hammering that home in a couple different ways. Yeah, um, I agree. I think another way I would phrase that, um, I don't know if you would agree with this uh, characterization, but I feel like it's sort of a case of listening to your head versus your heart, um, where there's sort of like the rational thing where like all the kind of, evidence would suggest that you should do one thing right but your heart or or like your gut sort Mm -hmm. of tells you to do something else right right um yeah so i totally agree i think that's that's um that's basically something that the older brother is is the sort of symbol of in the movie yeah of occasionally he wants to do something a certain way and the younger brother's like it, that doesn't make all, sense. Yeah, all evidence. We obviously should do it this way, and the older brother's like, ah, "You should just listen to me, though." You know, right? Um, so I feel like he kind of represents, you know, your gut, or I don't know why I'm using your gut and your heart interchangeably, but it's just like that that part of you. The st- um, if there is only one part, the stuff that, below your neck. Yeah, the the stuff that makes you want to do things a certain way that's not rational. That's not just your brain processing you know, data and, and doing a calculation. Um, so, uh, I think that covers the themes. Shall we just give a spoiler warning and start talking best parts of the movie? Yeah, let's do it. Spoiler sound. (laughs) There it is. Um, let's talk best parts of the movie. What's your favorite part or, or, or why don't you start? Uh, there, I mean, one of the things that I like about this movie that I feel like movies that adopt this structure sometimes get a little bit of short shrift in my opinion, which is sort of like, um, it's like a serialized set of adventures, right? Mm -hmm. Concluding in the big boss. There's sort of like a video game kind of format to it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I like that kind of format, right? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Especially because I feel like the 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 themes that we just described and the relationships between the characters get like deeper and more richly explored as they go. You know what I mean? I don't. I did not feel like it was just, um, you know, uh, like an action movie where it's like the first shootout is a six, the next shootout is an eight, and the last shootout is right. a ten. Right? Like, yeah. Uh, I I really did feel like each of the different challenges that the brothers face, um, you know, helped create more interesting dynamics in their relationship and make the movie deeper and richer. And so, um, so I just sort of want to go on record as saying like, I am pro that format. Um, (laughs) I feel like one of the, uh, sequences that I was just like thrilled by was the, uh, the highway chase sequence, with the, uh, yeah. with the yeah. fairies with I was the like fairies I, it just sort of reminded me of um say like Incredibles 2 where as it was happening I was like this is just a great action sequence right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah in addition to the fact that there's like a magic thing happening and Ian Lightfoot the main character is like learning how to drive right which is great, like one of the great. fun like recurring like ideas in the movie um I just found all of it to be so, uh, like inventive, uh, furthered the story, furthered the character. I loved the villains. I thought they were hilarious, right? Like the little fairy (laughs) sprites or whatever. Um, and, uh, and just the, just the way that it was a thrilling action sequence where I understood the geography. I understood where everybody was in the world. I understood how like the things were working in the van. Um, just really loved that sequence. There's not a lot, to say about it beyond that, or at least or that I don't have a lot to say about it, but that's, that was one of my favorite sequences in the film. Yeah. Well, I feel like that sequence also contains just a little nugget of wisdom from, uh, from the older brother. What's the older brother's name? Barley. Barley. Yeah. Which is, you know, he's ostensibly talking about driving, yeah. but I feel like this little, this one little line applies to so many things in life where, where, where Ian's like, I'm not ready. And he's like, you'll never be ready. Merge. <laughs> <laughs> or it's something like that, right? It's, it's basically like, you'll never feel like you're ready. You yeah. have to just do just it. Just go right? in, just get in there. Yep, that's exactly yeah. right. Um, yeah, and um, that, that's exactly one of the things I, re- I remember laughing very hard at in that mm-hmm. sequence. And I was watching it with Lyndon, right? So my six-year-old daughter. And she was like, what did he say? Well, you know, and she was trying to figure out uh-huh. what I thought was right. funny about it. And it's like an example of, I was like, Lennon, it doesn't matter if I explain to you exactly what that means. Every word in that sentence and exactly what every word means. Like, yeah. you will not find it as funny as I do <laughs> for many years. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, just uh, you'll never be ready. Merge. That's right. Great just, words and to replace live. merge with just X. Just do it. Do yeah. the thing that words you're afraid to live of by. doing. Um, I'll I'll share a much quieter moment. Um, early in the film when they when basically they first, um, you know, Ian casts the spell or starts to cast the spell, I should say, and it gets halfway through, and then, um, so their dad. You know, their dad appears and is just the legs. Yeah. And um, just that that first scene of seeing him kind of like take a few steps and um, 
and Barley getting down and drumming on his feet, which they set up, you know, earlier that that yeah. was one of his memories is he drummed on his feet. Um, I got really emotional just like, just from like the foot, the dad's foot, you know, like yeah. touching Ian's foot. Yeah. Um, I think, I think if you were just to say this movie has, you know, these two boys hanging out with their dad's legs, like it's just legs, you yeah. know? no facial expressions, no voice for sure. It would just seem like, man, how are they going to convey any kind of, you know, emotional nuance? And that scene, I feel like is a great example. Like just the way that the dad sort of puts his foot on Ian's foot, I found so tender and, and like moving. And like, you know, in that moment, I'm thinking about like, this man has like never met, this son yeah and he's still not really meeting him but like this is the closest connection he can make with his son he's never met yeah right now and it's just like making the best of it you know yeah <laughs> you know just like just like almost almost imagining like if you had a son and you'd never met him and all you had were your feet right <laughs> like what would you what would you do you know you'd just like give him sort of like a gentle touch with your foot right and uh so yeah, I thought that I thought that's the way they did that scene was was really perfect. Yeah, um, yeah, totally agree. Uh, and one of the things that I think is also really um, touching about that scene is how a- after or as Ian is casting the spell, uh, I think the movie does a really excellent job of not doing the. I think what would be a typical and obvious and boring plot move, which is for Barley, who is obsessed with magic and would love nothing mm-hmm. better than to be the magically talented one, um, he has zero jealousy, right? Yeah. Barley is totally enthralled that his brother has a gift for magic. He's proud. He's yeah. proud, right? Um, and I think it... I think it would be it would have been distracting and uh, irritating because we all know how that story would have gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if they had gone that way, and just the fact that they let that scene be about these two young men creating, to your point, a very sort of prof- profound and sweet but very rudimentary relationship with their father, and that is all that scene needs to be about. As opposed mm-hmm. to like the and there being any sort of like jealousy or, um, you, you know, sort of undercutting the sequence, it just it just allows that scene to be purely, purely sweet, which I think is what it's there for. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that given the way the movie goes, um, which we talked about earlier, and we're in spoilers now, so we can say, you know, like for Ian in the end to basically sort of have this revelation that that Barley has been sort of like a father figure to him, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that for that to work, Barley has to be, like, proud of him, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think absolutely. if he were, like, this jealous brother, <laughs> that, that, that ending wouldn't really land. So, right. So, yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, ultimately... It works so well, like the scene you mentioned and this scene, the fact that Barley's just proud of him, he's supportive of him, he's excited that his brother has these magic abilities as opposed to jealous. They really they really all pay off in a big way for me. Um, 
when Ian kind of does finally like go through his list and, and see like all of these experiences that I think of as what a son should have with his father. Barley has been that for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's, he's, he's not, I mean, I wouldn't say he's like a father figure in the movie, but I feel like the movie's just kind of this ode to like, um, to like being a, it's kind of just like to like being a good older sibling, you know, who's, who's trying to help a younger sibling, um, trying to be like supportive and trying to be a source of like comfort and, and, you know, yes, trying to teach them, but you don't, you're not that much older. So you sometimes can't teach them that much. Um, and it's, it's really, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just really great. Yeah. (laughs) And when you just and this sort of plays out in each of the challenges that the boys face, right? So like um, another one of my favorite sequences in the film was the sequence that sort of ripped straight out of Indiana Jones three, right? Where it's like you to cross this, oh, the bridge, uh, yeah, to cross this cavern or the this uh this ravine rather, I guess you have to believe with every step that you take mm-hmm. that there will be a bridge under your foot for the next step. Right. And right. just like, I loved the moment when the rope. So, uh, Ian to get across, like as sort of an insurance policy ties a rope around his waist that Barley holds on to, And Barley's like, I've totally got the rope. Don't worry. I've got you. If anything goes wrong, I've got you. Right. But you're going to totally nail mm-hmm. it. Right. And so, Ian makes it about halfway across this canyon and then the rope sort of just slips off his waist and falls <laughs> like and the absolute terror on Barley's face when he like realizes the stakes that have just been created yep. and just but the the call but like the way his voice is trying to portray like total confidence right like like you've totally got it you're definitely gonna be fine just don't look down and just definitely get across as fast as you can right um i just felt like uh i i totally understood because he's like i need to the only thing i can do now for my brother is to give him absolute confidence that i've got him Right. And and give him absolute confidence in his own abilities, even though like neither is true. Right. Like like um, his his, if his belief wavers at all, this is his doom. Right. Yeah. But therefore, the only thing for me to do is act like he's totally got this in the bag. Right. That seems like a that seems like a deeper message as well. Right. (laughs) Right. The importance of believing in yourself, even when you arguably shouldn't. Right. But it's exactly what you need to do to survive. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that scene, I feel like watching that scene um, was sort of surreal because, uh, you know, it's like a, it's a Pixar movie. So, you know, it's going to turn out fine. Right. But that, but it's still, um, it's still so like just upsetting right. <laughs> for me it was it, i guess yeah. anyway because just like just move that move that sort of development into a different movie and he's dead right <laughs> you know? right like, there's no way he survives that situation right <laughs> because because like i mean 
you know, you would feel the rope. <laughs> you'd feel the rope fall off your waist, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, and then if that was, if that was like necessary for you to, it's just like, you know, the old thing of, of don't think about an elephant or whatever. Don't think about a purple elephant, right? right? Your mind is going to think about a purple elephant. So it's like, even if it's like, okay, believe every step, believe every step. But then like the rope is gone. Yeah. You're toast. You're completely done. Right. <laughs> you're going to doubt at least for a second. Um, so I don't know. I think it was just, it almost, it almost like was one of those scenes that weirdly brings me out of the movie because I'm like, I am only okay with this right now because this is the a movie children's onward movie. from Pixar. Yeah. But what just happened, what I just witnessed is terrifying. Right. Um, but I think that, I think, I mean, maybe it was different, you know, your mileage may vary on this, but, uh, I laughed a lot. Right. Oh yeah. yeah um, yeah. like when Barley, you know, at the end when, um, Ian barely makes it over the Canyon, you know, cause he looks back at the last possible moment and manages to snag the edge of the cliff with his staff so as to not plummet mm-hmm. to his doom. And he asks Barley, he's like, when did the rope fall off? Right. right. And Barley's like about yeah. halfway across, but I knew that you had it. Like I knew that you totally had it. Yeah. Um, and it just like, I, I guess it's, I laughed very hard. I guess it's like, um, there's, there's like a category of scene like this in, in like family kid friendly movies where a da- a character is dangerously close to death. Yeah. And, it's just sort of like because it's a kid's movie, you can just basically overlook it or you can sort of enjoy it and laugh at it, like you said. Right. Um, but other examples would be like, this isn't, a, this isn't a real example, but it's like the sort of thing like this that would happen is, you know, if, if a character were like holding a loaded gun and mm-hmm. like waving it around casually, like and pointing it at a person and stuff. Right. Like, it's like similar, like in that that's actually terrifying. But since in the movie, you know, the person's not going to get hurt, then you can like laugh at it. Right. But I, I do feel like there's, there's things like that in, uh, in kids movies sometimes where it's just, you know, the blade goes right past the character's nose or whatever, you know? Yeah. And you're like, ha 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 ha. And that character almost just got killed. Right. That happens um, in Onward again later. Yeah, it does. Right. I was just going to say um, later on, further on in their quest, I think. Um, with the blades? Right. You're thinking of when they, when they come they come in contact with the gelatinous cube. Yes. And the blades and the spikes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They're very much. Very dangerous. In peril. And then they're, and then they're submerged in water and yeah. they almost drown. They almost drown. That's so, right. So it's true. They actually get very close to dying numerous times in this yeah. movie. But it's just because you know that it's a Pixar movie, you're like, they'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, uh, otherwise it would be like the worst movie, right? It would be... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It'd be like, don't worry, we just created a character that you love and we just killed them three quarters of the way through the movie. Because this, yeah, ni- guess- this is like 1917 Pixar edition. This is more, this is more a me thing, I guess. I guess I'm just saying that scenes like that, they sort of take me out of the movie a little bit because of how, because of how it's necessary for me to think about the movie I'm seeing to feel okay with what's happening. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, any other highlights of the movie? Any other best parts you want to call out? Well, I really liked, you know, right after that sequence that we're describing, which is a really stressful sequence when they emerge from the, uh, the, like the manhole cover and mm-hmm. they're at the end of their quest and they're back where they started. Right. I, I thought that was pretty thrilling. I was like, because <laughs> uh, I sort of imagined this was all going to end with them being in sort of like some kind of Mount Doom type situation, right? And it was like, mm-hmm. and it would be very far away from their home and it would be very different for us as an audience, right? But I was just sort of thrilled by the fact that it's like, oh, their quest concludes where they began and this allows us to recontextualize everything that happens in the beginning of the movie through this new lens of like, you know, massively important stakes. Right. Mm -hmm. And that just was so refreshing to me and much more, um, you know, much cooler than if there was some, you know, boss level, uh, place that we've never been to before. Yeah. And by recontextualize, are you referring to the fact that barley, W- tried to save that fountain. Well, it's like, or, the, or what yeah, else? it like makes the fountain more relevant. It makes the high school more relevant. Um, I sort of mm-hmm. wondered multiple times earlier in the movie, I was like, why are we looking at this dragon painting on a wall mm. over and over again? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and further, it just sort of like takes something as banal as like the local high school. Right. And makes yeah. it like the scene of something that's really important, right? Um, so that's sort of what I mean by recontextualizing. Yeah, you know, I did think it was funny in that scene when they come out of the manhole and they realize they're back towards their home. Ian gets so frustrated with Barley. He's yeah. like, oh, clearly, clearly this was a waste of time mm-hmm. and I shouldn't have listened to you, right? And he storms off. But I'm like... I, I I thought that was funny that he that he was um, that he was so convinced that since they ended up there it must have been a the wrong quest because I'm yeah. like you clearly were just on a quest I mean you yeah you know like you clearly went through a thing that that was guarding something yeah so isn't it more logical to assume that the thing is actually around here somewhere yeah <laughs> no reason to be upset that it happens to be near your home like you you. I don't know. It's just like in his mind, it was all a waste of time, despite everything that had just come before, yeah. which was all indisputably well, a and, quest. And Barley, what I re- a joke I really liked was Barley briefly humors that idea, right? And he mm-hmm. like takes the little sort of uh, stone that they've been carrying around, and he turns uh-huh. it on its side. He's like, "Ooh, maybe it's a campfire." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe we got the whole thing uh, wrong. Maybe I read this wrong. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I, uh, yeah, it just, um, you know, just another example of how the movie really worked for me. Okay, let's talk about one last scene, which is at the very end when um, Ian decides that Barley should get to say goodbye and Ian doesn't even get to see his dad. How did you, how do you feel about that scene? Um, I, I found it to be appropriately crushing. Um, yeah. like, so after, so Lyndon, uh, got scared of the movie and demanded that we mm-hmm. turn it off at one point. <laughs> and so right. she never finished it. Uh, I finished it. And then the mm-hmm. next day 
she was like, did you like it? I was like, oh, Lyndon, I loved it. I cried, mm-hmm. right? She's like, uh-huh. you know, and then she's like, mommy, daddy cried in the movie, right? <laughs> um, but it was that, I mean, it was that scene that really, like, yeah. moved me, right? Um, yeah. And it, I felt like it was very earned, um, meaning that, Ian had been struggling the entire film to have these kind of interactions on his little list, right? And as he's sort of thinking through um, his life with Barley, he's realizing he's had all those experiences, just not with the person that he expected to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's real, and then when he realizes that Barley never had anybody looking out for him in the same way that Barley looked out for Ian, and Ian realizes yeah. he's like. I'm okay. It's Barley who never got to say goodbye the way that he wanted yeah. to. That that's really the the right the wrong that needs to be righted here. And mm-hmm. so th- that just felt very correct to me. And but still very crushing, yeah, right? Like I, I like Ian would have loved to have met his father, right? But yeah. time was of the essence, and there's like a rock dragon coming down at you and you got to do some, you got to, you know, you got to lay down some magic. Um, and so I felt like the movie did an excellent job of, um, making that a necessary but difficult choice and, Mm -hmm. um, making it so that we understood that Ian would emotionally be okay in spite of that you know, as part of that sort yeah. of last minute switcheroo. Yeah. I, I, I agree that it was pretty crushing. I mean, I, I feel like at the same time in that moment, you know, with, 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 which by the way, just visually I think is perfect that like Ian's kind of watching through like the rubble like cracks in the rocks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's not even getting like, you're not getting like this full screen depiction. It's like, it's like looking through a keyhole almost, you yeah. know, and seeing just a glimpse of Barley with his dad. But, but at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, how sad it is that after all this, Ian's not going to get to meet his dad, even though I agree with you, you know, it's, it's, it's the appropriate choice given the circumstances, but it's still very sad. Right. But then also just like how sweet is it that Barley's getting to say goodbye but also how sad is it that they have so little time, you know, like it was, the hope was that they would have up to a full day and Mm -hmm. they're having just essentially minutes, you know, together. Um, but yeah, just kind of, it's like, it's, it hits you on two or three levels all at the same time, which is, uh, which is pretty impressive. I just think it's, it's all assembled really well so that it, so that it kind of has, has those layers to it. Um, so for me, um, I would say that was like really those, those scenes, um, almost like bookending basically their, their time with their dad. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the highlights of the movie for me when they first, when he first comes out and then, um, and basically when they see, see him off, uh, yeah. As the sun sets. Yeah. Those are, those are definitely the two two of the most sort of like emotionally resonant 
moments and and they're sort of just purely emotional there's not like mm-hmm. a joke or an action sequence right like sort of to cut the to cut the pathos right um yeah. and so yeah those and so those are the moments where like my eyes just well up right mm-hmm. so yeah delightful all right uh now how about fix the movie anything you'd want to change um there was it okay so this is going to sound like an odd mention but uh you might recall the movie super eight where there is the 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 main character is a young boy and you know one of the secondary characters is his dad and they are uh he's a single dad because the the mother in the relationship i think dies in that movie or like prior to the movie beginning the the mother has passed Mm -hmm. away and so there's a whole plot line in that movie where um the kyle chandler who plays the dad is like locked up and then he has to break out and then he's like on a mission to go help his son and the thing that's really Mm -hmm. unsatisfying to me in that movie is like that comes to nothing right like the son never needs the father to do anything and it's just so the father can like show up and watch have a storyline right um and there's a little element of that with like the the mom and or the 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 boyfriend the the mother's boyfriend like chasing the boys throughout the thing mm-hmm. um where it's like is this strictly necessary right like um <laughs> are the or and or are these characters like the mother or the the boyfriend like are we learning anything about them in a way that's helpful um mm. for us to for them to be characters as opposed to just people chasing the boys right um yeah. And so that, whenever the movie sort of spent a lot of time with them, uh, I was a little less thrilled. Um, but that being said, like, I liked Julia Louis-Dreyfus's performance. I really liked the manticore. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I'm willing to forgive those little things. I, I feel like it creates some of the necessary tension in the movie. Like, as an example, the sequence where Barley sacrifices the van right yeah um i found to be a really great scene um yeah it's a good scene and so um like i think it's good that there was somebody chasing them in that moment it just sort of felt like why is it so important that it's you know the mom or the boyfriend or whatever that was but that's just yeah that was a little nitpick yeah the mom's boyfriend definitely feels like a bit of a random detail uh that you could probably get rid of and it wouldn't really impact the movie i feel like the mom following i think i think the comparison to super 8 makes sense i think for me though it's also the sort of thing where maybe they could have done it better or they could have done more with it but it's it's it almost feels like they had to have the mom following them because if she weren't then you would just be like why is the mom not following them? Yeah. You know? Like, um, it's like, it's clearly a thing she needs to do. The movie doesn't have to spend time on it, but it would be sort of, I don't know. It'd be weird for it not to at least show it to some degree. I feel like them pairing her with the manticore 
was kind of a way to make that somewhat interesting because yeah. then the Manticore has like her own arc where she used to be this, you know, fearsome beast mm-hmm. and then she's kind of become tame as and domesticated as, you know, s- society around her has changed. And her arc is like rediscovering, like reconnecting with that sort of primal version of herself, right? right. That that is that is the stuff of legend. And she's just doing that like with the mom, you know, the mom's also kind of part of it. So yeah, I I get what you're saying. I mean, I also agree that that was, it certainly wasn't the storyline that had me the most hooked. I mean, I, I, anytime the movie wasn't focused on the two brothers, I just wanted it to mostly get back to them. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, um, it sounds like you're not saying it's like a terrible part of the movie, just maybe a bit of a weaker. Yeah, it, it's just not thread. as strong. Um, and I know that like uh, when you're talking about a pop song, like you have a bridge so that you can get back to the other parts without being completely <laughs> re- repetitive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, the best songs have really killer bridges, you know. Yeah, um, it's true. And so I felt like it's a, it, it, you know, it's a fine bridge, like the. <laughs> The mom and the manticore. It's a functional bridge. Right? Yeah. It's functional, but not like, I don't look forward to it. You know? It's not like... Yep. Um, although, I will say, one of the hardest parts I laughed in the entire movie was when the manticore just, like, casually poisons the pawn shop owner with a scorpion <laughs> sting. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I was dying. And then, uh, and, then I ma- and then I made everybody rewind so we could watch it again. Because I, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Um, well, I did think it was funny how then the mom, uh, you know, she she just leaves a bunch of money on the counter. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm like, they had to do that because yeah, they made this this um, this pawn shop owner out to be kind of slimy because she's just opportunistic about the price of this sword. Right. But but also like it's not okay to just. <laughs> Poison a shop owner and take something, right? And leave, right? That's you know? a that's assault and and that's, robbery. Yeah, that's right? a crime. Um, but then the mom. But then I feel like they tried to just smooth that over with being like, "No, she's going to leave money for her." Right. Uh, you know, this is okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it it's really not like if you unpack it, right? <laughs> it's like really not okay. But I did still find it to be very funny. Well, it's you know. It's, it's, it's relatable. Like you're a parent, you're on a mission, you need to save your kids. You're not going to get this price negotiation over a thing you need. Get in your way. Right. Like a parent, you probably would steal it if you had to. Right. I suppose. Yeah. And I suppose like all of America is probably a little sensitive to this where it's the idea of like, um, oh, you want, uh, you want toilet paper? Uh, 50 bucks, (laughs) right? Like 20 bucks a roll. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I, I was a little maybe more sympathetic these days than I normally would be. Um, just because it's like price gouging, sure. price gouging is uh, yep. not the most pleasant. It's true. All right. Any other things you'd fix about the movie? I don't, I don't have anything else. Uh, no, no, I, um, no, that again, that's like a minor complaint. Uh, I do think it could have been strengthened, but at the same time, it's like, whatever i really liked this movie anyway no matter what same so would we beam it up this is a gonna be a tough question in 2020 
because there's going to be like eight movies. Because I feel like the last movie we did was Invisible Man. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we beamed that one up, right? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. And so current course and speed, we're just going to, you know, we're going to see one movie every six weeks and beam it up. Although, I don't know. I feel like more movies might start coming out on demand or whatever. Yeah. Let's do it. I... I would beam this up. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty special movie. I think, yeah, I think it's, I definitely wasn't expecting it to, and I still almost, like, have a hard time believing this, but I I think it is one of my favorite Pixar movies. Yeah. I think it's probably, like, in my top three, or or five, at least. Yeah, I I think I agree. Um, Now, granted, there's probably some recency bias going on in here, but um, I found it to be very fun. Right. Um, yep. Like a movie like Coco, for example, which I find to be like beautiful. Right. Right. It's not quite right. as fun. Right. It's there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, poignancy and and poetry in that movie. But I'm not just like having a blast, like tapping my feet to sort of fake hair metal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Onward manages to sort of be a really sort of delightful blast of sort of kind of 80s feeling nostalgia sort of like dressed up in this you know mystical elves and wizards world um yeah totally and uh and i just found myself to really just enjoy the 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 sugar like the the caffeinated blast that i was getting from the movie while still feeling like it had a lot going on emotionally and thematically yeah, which is the, the the former is what I was expecting. The latter is what took me by surprise. Yeah. But is what takes the movie to the to the next level for yeah. me. So Okay, we'll beam it up. We'll beam it up. All right. Well, I uh, think that's it. Um Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, join us next week when we will be reviewing some uh direct to video trash. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? It could be anything. There might be something good. There might be. All right. Well, that's it. I'm Adam. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.